On this episode of the Business Samurai Podcast, I speak to Kyle Hadeen. Kyle runs the very successful Floor Academy Podcast, who focuses on helping and teaching flooring installers how to become true business owners, putting in solid business operational foundations, profit margins, and quite frankly, knowing their numbers. We discuss how Kyle went from reality TV producer to flooring installer to now business coach and running masterminds for other flooring install practitioners. So sit back and listen as I talk with Kyle about Floor Academy Podcast here on the Business Samurai Podcast. Do you enjoy talking business? Do you enjoy reading about business? Do you geek out over the entrepreneurial journey? If so, then you are in the right spot. The Business Samurai Podcast brings you the stories told by the people themselves. You'll be immersed in a wide variety of industries from venture capital to gourmet popcorn, learning how to be a better leader or the personalities behind solving the broadband crisis. At the Business Samurai, we believe it takes a wide variety of skill sets and experiences to be successful in business and life. Our aim is to not only entertain, but educate. For you to recognize how successful tactics and motivations in one industry can help propel you forward in your own unique business. Sit back, enjoy, and welcome to the Business Samurai Podcast. I am your host, John Barkley. All right, Kyle, appreciate you being here. I want to really dive into you. You are one of the people that are very niched into a specific area. I've only had a couple people that that were really super targeted what you, with what you do in the flooring piece of construction and, mm-hmm. and remodeling. So just briefly, how did you get to the point now where you're coaching other people to run the business in flooring and a little bit of the backstory. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know what? Thanks, John, just for having me on. I appreciate the the chance to come and, and speak with your audience. Um, look, I, I'm Kyle Hadeen, so I run a company called Illustrious Hardwoods in Mesa, Arizona, and that's my installation company. I also host the, the Floor Academy podcast. And how that developed was uh, really I was in a bunch of online groups with different flooring installers, and everyone was always discussing the money. What, what should I charge? How do I charge? How do I do this? How, all these different little business aspects. And at the same time, I'm seeing that and participating in those conversations. I'm also out on my own as a newly formed contractor with an LLC. And like, look, I get how to do basic math, but I'd never had to do sales and marketing and all this other stuff. And so I was looking for books and, and podcasts to do it. And so... I had found you can find sales and marketing podcasts and leadership podcasts and you can find all that stuff. It's really easy. But I typed flooring into the search bar one day and nothing came up. And so (laughs) I was like, but but what about me? Like this, this is my industry. What about where do I get specific (laughs) advice for me? And and I so the, the crazy part is, is that my my former my former life. I worked in reality television. So I went to film school for three years and then I worked in reality television for about seven years. And I went from being a production assistant on up to being a camera operator. And so I knew how the audio equipment worked. And I was like, well, I can do that. I'll do a podcast. I was like, there's got to be an audience. Like if I'm looking for it, other people are. And it's it's just, it's evolved from there. And it was me. I just, I, I interview anybody I can find that's talking about, topics let me find other successful business men and and women in my in my niche and and let's talk about it what were your struggles how did you get out of it how do we 
properly bid a job. Um, you know, and I, and I get outside that too. You know, I've had, I've had my chiropractor on and to talk about proper, <laughs> like just stretching and, and body mechanics and things like that, why it's important. Sure. Um, what else I've, I've had on a, a counselor and we've talked about addiction and, and how to deal with those issues just because it's, I, I think a lot of times people get caught up on, on business, right? And you think it's all numbers, it's all backend stuff, it's systems, it's processes. Well, mm-hmm. I disagree. I, that's a lot of it. But if you're not emotionally, mentally, and physically firing on all cylinders, I don't care how well the numbers are falling in place, something's going to fall apart. And so I try and look at a, a more holistic approach and, and start tackling some of those other subjects. Now, obviously, it's 90% business because contractors are, are great with their hands. Amazing, amazing artisans. Not a lot of them are great with numbers and time management and things like that. So <laughs> we do a, we focus a lot there, but I do like to get outside the box and, and talk about some of those other topics. And it's funny because you you actually, to me, have the number one rule they say of podcasting is, particularly when you're starting out, you find that super niche to get into and then you grow and build from, you know, from that. that that's always – when I was looking to start mine, that was one of those things and you found one that was completely underserved because even your Facebook group, you got uh, almost 2,000 people just in your Facebook group right now from what i saw anyway yeah i would leave i think it's just so the, like the growth and the people that you're are you're attracting the right audience slowly but surely yeah. right it, it's not a it's not a race it's not a race um i i can look back at the numbers and you know it, it started with like 300 listens and it, in like a month and i was like oh my gosh i'm doing 300 listens and then it's it's peaked out at like five thousand <laughs> right now and i'm like man, 5,000 people, like even, you know, I, I get it, like the way it's counted sometimes and stuff. So maybe it's really like 3,000 like individual listens to an episode or something like that. But that's a lot of sure. people listening to your voice, right? Like how many people get a chance to get on a stage and talk to 3,000 right. people? It's not a lot. And so I, I'm humbled, like to be honest, it's, it's amazing that you have to put in the time and the effort to, to build any brand, but it's been... An, an awesome journey. Um, it's it's super rewarding just to know that you know people reach out and be like, "Oh, dude, this episode was amazing! Like, thank you so much. It it really helped me like solve this problem I was having." So, it it is doing good. It is making a difference. And I th- at the end of the day, that's all that really matters is that my this industry that honestly, like, I came out of nowhere. Like I said, I was doing reality television and I got into flooring, and it. It just it, it opened its arms to me and took me in and lifted me up. And my my life has never been better. And I don't think I've ever had better friends than the friends that I have right now within the flooring industry. And so, yeah, I have sponsors. I make some money. It's it's cool. But I would do it without them because the industry has given me so much that honestly, I can't not give back to it to help others receive what I've been able to receive from it. That's awesome. And and the other thing too with building that audience that way, 
you know, people are resonating with the message that you've got and mm -hmm. the people that you've brought in as well as also your experience to, to kind of help them progress in their businesses. And that's a lot, you know, I want to kind of dive into that a little bit because I've got friends of mine that I won't sit there and go so niched in that they, you know, they're just flooring, maybe they're just general contractors and things of that nature, mm -hmm. but I'll try to keep it there. But when you're looking at the industry and you're trying to provide that value, what are when it comes to operating the business, what are the common issues when somebody first reaches out to you and say, oh, man, you know, that was the, the, these pieces of advice really helped me take my business to the next level. What are those things that you're you're starting to drive progress with? Uh, honestly, it, it's so it, it's funny how simple it really is. Know your numbers. And this goes for any business. This is the beauty about it. Right. As I've niched into flooring, but somebody that runs a donut making shop could listen to my podcast and and have takeaways from it you just have to apply that lesson somewhere else so i'm focused one area but anybody can listen to it if they choose to however a lot of times with contractors and i think most business owners is they just they don't know their numbers and that's really my simplest message i i took time on my floor academy podcast website i have a spreadsheet under the file section it's the the business budget calculator and honestly, it has like 30 categories in it that you can input numbers into. And it'll, it'll tell you what you should be, like what your revenue needs to be per day, right? It, it'll ask you, the first question is, how many days a year do you want to work? Well, I think a lot of people look at a calendar and they say, I want to work five days a week. There's 52 weeks a year. That's 260 days. Okay, well, you're not going to work 200. Hold on. Right. 250 plus another two weeks. Yeah. Then, yeah. 260 days. I know how to do math. I promise. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hold up. Know your numbers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you're not going to work 260 days a year. There's holidays. Right. There's going to be a scheduling issue. You're going to get sick. Your kid's going to have to get sick. Your kid's going to get sick and have to call in to school. And, you know, mom's going to have the inability to watch after them if, if you have that luxury right so like i i based everything on so the first thing it asks you is how many days a year do you want to work i based it on 230 okay so 230 for me is you get to um you get every weekend off you get the 11 federal holidays off and then you get an additional two weeks off on top of that so you get a two-week vacation built in there uh and then did i I may have, it, it's in the spreadsheet. It, it may be another two weeks on top of that, like just two weeks of like, you're not going to work, but I, I, I may be mistaken on there. But anyways, it asks you how many days you want to work. So then it starts working you through like, how much do you want to make a year? Okay. Like, what do you want your salary to be? What's realistic? Personally, I think for a flooring installer, like a hundred thousand dollars a year is a realistic salary as an owner operator. And then it'll start asking you, right? Like, how much is your truck? How much is your laptop? How much are your are your tools? How many? And then it, it, it's going through all of it, right? Do you have a retail space that you're paying rent on? It, insurances, all of it. It's all in there. If it's not in there, you can add a, a column or a row to it, and you can put in your own, you know, little line item. It also asks you if it's taxable or not, right? So if it's if, if it's a truck, right? Okay, so I want a truck, but I'm going to hold on to a truck for five years. Well, over that five years, I need to earn the money for that truck. So any money that's sitting in my account becomes taxed. So it'll ask you if that line item is taxable or not. So you just click yes or no, and it'll automatically calculate out the rest. 
So you get down to the bottom of the spreadsheet, you filled it all in, you tell it how long you want things to be in service, you tell it how much they cost, and it tells you a, a per day rate. Okay, so it let's say it spits out six hundred dollars. All right, so you need to make six hundred dollars in revenue per day in order to cover your taxes, insurance, overhead, your personal pay, all that fun stuff. The last question it asks, this is where everybody makes a mistake. How much profit do you want to make? Because nobody included profit yet. You've only covered your expenses. You are, I think a lot of times people think that they're the, the owner of their company, right? I own the company. The company's me. And so my pay is, is the profit. No, 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 no. The company is above you. You are an employee of your company. Even though you own it, it is the higher authority. And so now you get paid for working in your company. And then as the reward for taking all of the risk, you receive profit at the end. I like to say a healthy company, you should be minimum 10% net. So if you're doing a million dollars in revenue, you should be walking away with um, $100,000 in profit. And if your salary is 100000 that means you're making $200,000 a year running this company, right? But you have to make profit. And so that's why it's the last question asked. People don't often realize that it needs to be there. And then it spits out a new number at you of, oh, well, you want that much profit? Well, you went from $600 a day. You now need $900 a day. But whatever right. that circumstance is, right? And so then you can, let's say you start getting into employees and whatnot. There's another side of the spreadsheet that I think helps figure out how much, um, what the employee labor burden is. And so for me personally, I think employees, if they're in a, in a labor-based industry, okay, this is how I look at it. If you can give me $800 in labor a day, I'm willing to pay you a total of 400. So I'll make a 50% margin on you. And that's what I get for the risk. But that also covers the overhead, the tools, all the things that you got during the day to be able to do the job successfully as my employee. And then you get to walk away with the compensation. So you can start. No, that all. Well, I was going to say, so as you grow, right, you can start looking at yep. that other side of the spreadsheet and you can find a way to work it into the first side so that you can start figuring out better numbers. Yeah, and the way you've led into that with knowing the numbers is something that kind of got a bunch of subset questions to there. But totally agree because I would see people that, you know, maybe they were making, you know, twenty five bucks an hour. Then they for an employee, and then they would go, oh, I'm going to go start out, and I'm going to go make twenty five bucks an hour. I'm going to go charge them because that's what I was making. And it's like you're going to be in business if you can find somebody about three seconds. Correct. Because, you know, of what everything's going to get eaten into there. You've got to do those more advanced calculations. But how many in this, you know, again, a little familiar with, got some friends of mine that work in various aspects of the construction mm -hmm. field. How many people are trying to elevate themselves from being the practitioners, being the person sitting there on their hands and knees, installing vinyl floor, installing tile floor, installing hardwood floor, to versus going and elevating up to become the business owner, that they're going to bidding the jobs, they're running the teams, they want to get multi-discipline, you know, maybe multi-projects at a time and finding those. Because my experience has been, and even friends I know 
have yet to be able to get beyond themselves as the ones with hands on with the hammer drill saw whatever else is involved with that so it's a it's an interesting problem i think within the flooring industry um when you look at other trades you go look at a at, at painters electricians plumbers drywallers excuse me um there's you either work for a large company that'll tell you where to go every day, right? You get to be an employee and they just send you out or you run your own business and you advertise and you receive clients and you go and bid the jobs and work with it or you work with a GC and you you subcontract, okay? Flooring's interesting in that at one point the industry shifted and people no longer became employees and they were encouraged to become their own business, right? Go be a, you can subcontract from us. So there are giant workrooms. Um, you can look at a lot of the big box stores. You know, there's the one with the big orange logo or the one with the big blue logo in America. You can go look at one of those. And they will have a – they'll sell flooring and they sell installs. But they subcontract that out to a very large company in the area. And then that company subcontracts it out again. So they don't even do their gotcha. own in-house install. So it gets subcontracted twice which is now playing with the numbers really bad. Um, and so Slice off the top. Slice off the top. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, just, you're getting your knees cut off before you even get started. But that's I, one of the biggest problems is that there are a ton of guys that subcontract work through these giant workrooms, right? They show up. They get handed an invoice. They get told to go do it. The pay's not high enough for them to actually make profit without doing volume. So corners get cut, which means... We're, we're not taking the time to prep it. We're installing fast. We're not doing as good of work that we, that we should, but we're making, we feel like we're making money. Those guys don't even know they're running a business because they say, Oh, I'm just a subcontractor. Did you have to open up an LLC? Did you have in my state, you have to get a, a license to be a flooring contractor. So if you had to get licensed and you had to open up an LLC, you're a business and you need to run like one, which means you need to know your numbers. And so that's really what, I'm dealing with is I need to find the people that don't even know they're running a business and convince them, sadly, literally convince them that they are running a business and they need to know what they have to make per day. And then they can go argue there. There was a gentleman. We had a conversation after he saw my spreadsheet. He went to the owner of his retail shop and he was like, look, I filled this all out. Like, here's, I, I'm not making enough money. Like, you, you, you have to pay us more. And he had the an actual business conversation with the owner of the retail shop, and he got everybody a raise on on carpet installation prices. So, that's awesome. It, it was it, because a lot of guys go in and they ask for more money, but they don't have a reason why they need it. He was able to go in and right. have a you know a conversation of business owner to business owner with this gentleman and say here's why I need more money. You know, look at the value I provide behind it. You know, I don't get callbacks. My, my installations are successful. They're top notch. I use premium products to, to do them, but it's costing me X amount and you're only paying me X amount. I'm going broke working for you, but I really like being able to do that. Is there a way that there can be more meat on the bone for me? Right. And it, it worked out, but usually you, I hear stories like, Oh, I went and asked for another five cents a, a, a square yard, and they told me no. Well, okay, you asked for five cents. What do, you, what do you bring to the table for five cents, right? Once again, 
you you're running a business you need to be able to have that conversation and it's i'm just an installer i'm just an installer no you're not man there's just so much more so i and that ties into what i was thinking about next with this because people i know that have done you know they're going through a remodel or is you know they've got like maybe it's not even just a remodel because they don't like the look of it but something's old it's wore out it's time to get something new the homeowners I know are just, you know, it's just price shopping. You know, they're going around for price shopping. How does somebody be successful and differentiate themselves to show that they're bring, that to the to the end customer, whether that's, you know, they're being the subcontractor or to just you're going straight to the homeowner because that's what you do to, to differentiate yourself beyond just, you know, the price where, where people are just shopping price. Um, the easiest way I found is one, I only do residential remodel. I, I don't do any commercial work. I have one GC I work with, but he generally does remodels. But for the most part, I go find all my own clients, and I, I advertise, and they, you know, I get the phone calls. I, I weed through everybody. The best way I found to find people that don't want to shop by price, I'm one of the only guys in my area that I know that will charge a consultation fee. How many contractors have you ever heard of, John, that charge a consultation fee? I think more of them should. You want you want me to come build your strategy for you? That's not free. <laughs> well, correct. Look, my gas isn't free. My time isn't free. My knowledge isn't free. Mm. I had to work hard to get all of those things, right? I had to, I had to do a previous job to get the gas money. Um, my time is the only thing the, is the only commodity we actually have to sell, and my knowledge has come with years of experience and and honestly mistakes and failures and and learning how to fix things. So. Yeah, if I'm going to come out, I I will I can I know my numbers well enough that I can ballpark people over the phone. So, you know, uh, I have 2000 square feet. It's it's all carpet coming out. I you know, it, they can give me all these details and I can start asking some questions. Well, you want to replace the baseboards, save the baseboards. What kind of flooring are you looking at? And I know my numbers well enough that once I kind of start putting that all together, I can give you a ballpark range, you know. And so it's going to be like my luxury vinyl plank installs they're with product included you get a four fit four fifty to five fifty product allowance you're eleven to seventeen dollars a square foot all in that includes brand new baseboards as well now if it's all carpet coming out you're closer to eleven if it's all tile coming out you're closer to seventeen once I start getting that information I can kind of slide around the numbers and I'll get you a ballpark right so they tell me two thousand square feet I know that they're half tile half carpet okay well you're probably around 15 so i'll do the math and 15 times 2000 is 30 grand i'll tell them depending on product choices you're probably somewhere between 28 and 32 if that sounds good i'm happy to come out we'll take a look at it i charge a hundred dollar consultation fee to come out measure anything get you the numbers go over the project with you get you from point a to point b if you decide to go with me the hundred dollars gets applied towards your balance if you don't it just compensates me for my time to come out and go over the project with you. Um, I've had a couple people balk at it. Most people are like, you know what? No, that makes sense. I'm, I'm happy to do it. And so for me, that a li somebody willing to give me $100 and, and let alone they already know the price range, right? So if I'm way out of their price range, I just save myself a ton of time because I get a ton of people that are like, well, you're twice as much as everybody else. I know I am. I know. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm good. And I'm good. Like, I'm sorry. I run a business to make money. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get in it to be a charity case. And so 
I've eliminated people, and then anyone willing to give me the hundred dollars is probably my ideal client. They most likely have heard of me or followed me on my my Facebook page for a while. They're now willing to give me a little bit of money. And the best part about it is psychologically, if I can get you to give me a little bit of money, you are way more likely to give me a big amount of money. So it's the system is is like twofold, but that's kind of like my my tire kicker system of are you really a good fit? I can give you a number over the phone. Does that sound good? Okay. Now, does this sound good? Like, this is the next step, right? It's going to cost you a little bit. And if they're into that, then I, I close more leads than than anything when, once I go out and get that consultation fee. Like, that, somebody willing to give me that money has generally already decided to go with me. So it's worked out. See, well. and that's a... Yeah, that's and that's a principle that... Uh, I've implemented for myself. It may it may not even be uh, a fee, but just a form. Because you know, when you're talking about trying to go adjust somebody's business operations, or you want to help improve them, are they really able to do the change? Do they want to do the change? Because if they're not really to invest into it a little bit, and we call it purposeful friction. So you've got a little bit of friction in the beginning because you know if they're willing to do that, they're serious. Correct. They're absolutely serious with either either doing what you said. Maybe they don't go with you, like you said, but they are absolutely not just kicking tires around because maybe they'll do the project in a year from now or something like that. They're not going to waste your time now. So that's all that stuff. It it also lets you dictate the terms, which I think a lot of contractors, they they start backing off. And if you're man, confidence is huge in business. And so I don't need your job. I'm going to go in and I want your job. I'd like it, but I don't need it because I've been able to build a bank account that can support me. Right. So I think being able to go in with confidence and not seem desperate and constantly have to like, well, okay, I can take that negotiation. I can take this one and I'll, I'll take $50 off here and right. hundred there. Like when you can go in and dictate terms and you tell the client, like, this is the way it's going to be. If you can't listen to me, cause you brought me in as the expert. That's why you're hiring a contractor folks. Like you're hiring an expert to handle the, project for you let them do what they do best if you're going to dictate you're not my client right oh i saw that on this youtube and i i you got to do it no 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 no. i'm sorry like there's guys that'll let you do that i'm not that guy so that's another like flag for me is my clients are calling me because they want a professional to come in and handle it no questions asked i'm going to tell them x y and z this is the way it goes and then i'm going to deliver on that so it's that's another like kind of red flag thing for me with what you're doing and with the way that you're you've kind of got your i'll call it your value ladder there you've got your maybe it's a quick thing over the phone hey it's 100 bucks for me to go check it out then they get to see if they even like you because you're going to be in their house or something like that when you start getting the details of this because let's say you you go hey my services are premium the others i do all these other things do you have jobs that you're like man this is just too small i'm not You've got like minimum thresholds because that's something that I've told other friends. As you built your business, you can't be the the handyman, for instance, right. and go around and do all these things versus giving up the opportunity cost on a on the stuff that's whizzing by that's bigger because you either like somebody or whatever. How do you, how do you set that minimum that threshold? It all goes back to knowing your numbers, right? So at the very beginning, right, I yep. talked about my spreadsheet. My number, one thousand dollars per day in labor. 
Well, in, in yes, I need, well, that's it. I need a thousand dollars in labor. If I sell materials, that's that's bonus money to me. I try and base my entire business off of labor because it is a labor based business. So I need a thousand bucks. So if you call me and you've got, you know, a little tiny bathroom that you want to do, I'm sorry that it's only 40 square feet. It's a thousand bucks. We can throw something else on. Do you need like a repair somewhere else in your house or like, I'll, I'll try and work with people, but it, it's rare that I get two people wanting a repair that I can like stack on top of each other so that I could do like 500 and 500. So I'm sorry. It's a thousand bucks and I get it. It's expensive. They, they may not go with me, but I I have had people go with me and they're like, I, I can't believe how much you want. I was like, look, there's a $5,000 trailer with $20,000 of tools in it. There's seven years of experience. <laughs> There's the insurance. There's the overhead. Uh, what happens if I reset your toilet improperly and it leaks and ruins this whole thing? I have to come back and redo it again out of my pocket. Like you, you start looking at it, and that price it's not so high. So th- you you got to know where you have to be at, and that's your number. It's not that I don't want your small job. It's that once again I'm running a business. And I'm running a business to be profitable. I wanted to be able to take the risk to get the reward. And I'm going to make sure that I get the reward. If I go and do a bunch of charity cases, and if if my overhead is $500 a day, can I go do that small job just to make the 500 and keep the business open? Yes, I can. But then I'm giving away my gas and my time and, and all of that for free. And it just doesn't long term it doesn't add up and i've always looked at it as okay i've lost a thousand dollars today because i didn't work but what can i do from home to move my business forward and get a better return can i spend time on marketing advertising put something new on my website where can i so that i can get a 10x return going forward no and that's absolutely that all ties into that again everything comes back to knowing your numbers and so many people just don't you yeah. know as, as we've discussed one of the things how do you bake in or set i think one of the things that comes into client expectations mm-hmm. and for success and failure is sometimes how do you mitigate something that you may have unknowns in the beginning let's say you're replacing the floor and you have no idea that there's been subfloor damage because there has been water and it's been rotting out how do you set client expectations for that so if those things happen it's mm-hmm. not just the world's coming to an end scenario. The, the, so in Phoenix, we are like all concrete slabs. Unless you have an upstairs, then that'll be a, a wood subfloor. Concrete okay. slabs do not have to be poured to the same tolerances as flooring installers have to install on top of them. Like the, the flatness tolerances are way, way different. So essentially every Interesting. concrete subfloor that's out here every concrete slab is like an ocean there's humps and bumps and that just all kinds of nastiness <laughs> in it. but i can't see that right i go into your home the builders put down carpet sheet goods tile what whatever's down I, I don't know what it looks like so i'm going to come into your home i'm going to look over your project and i'm going to tell you this is the number for everything you know this is your all-in price Um, I don't move furniture. I work by myself. So I tell them this is your all in number for everything minus moving the furniture and any unforeseen, 
major prep work, right? If there's a crack in your slab and I have to grind it down or there's a big valley and it needs some self-level in it, I was like, I can't bid it until I can see it. And I've seen, well, how much, Kyle? How much? Because we got to know. Well, I've seen everything from $0 in a bedroom that's 150 square feet to $30,000 in foundation repair because the slab was cracked like a tic-tac-toe board. And <laughs> wow. That was that no but that was the foundation repair. I didn't even get to install that floor or to fixing it on the inside because we had to wait once they did the foundation repair <laughs> they had to wait a year to even get it addressed. So they said, "Kyle, we need to return the flooring." And I was like, "Well, there's a 30% restocking fee, right? We went through this whole thing." And they got some money back. They bought some carpet. They threw it down. I haven't heard from them since. I, I hope everything's worked out. And but yeah, they had thirty thousand dollars in foundation repair. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I can't. Like, I don't. I don't know until I know. Well, what's the average? Well, right. once again, I don't. I don't know because I can tell. Like, if you're two thousand square feet, can I do a quick calculation of maybe you need a quarter inch of of self leveling cement poured over your floor? Yeah, I can do that. You know, that's going to run you about 10 grand. But I can pull everything up, and now I tell you it's a 3 eighths inch average, which adds another eighth, which adds another five grand. And I'm telling you it's 15, and you say, no, 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 you told me you told me 10. I said, no, I guesstimated 10, right? Like, the words you use and choose with people, like, you got to listen to your contractors really carefully, and some guys will dig themselves a hole. But... I, I'm guesstimating, right? And I, I, so I try not to give hard numbers on that stuff until I can. But I, I, I warn people. I'm like, look, just because it, I'm, I'm telling you, it's twenty thousand dollars to do it here. I would have at least another five in reserve, if not more. Like this can quickly escalate out of control. Um, the other part of it is, is I personally, I won't install if they don't want to do the prep work because then it's not to the manufacturer's standards and running a business, I need to mitigate my risks. And so if I can't install it to the manufacturer's standards, then I'm not going to install it because I'm not going to buy you a floor in the future, let alone if it fails because that subfloor wasn't prepped correctly. Guess who gets to pay for the subfloor fixes in the future too? Me. So no, thank you. Right. So, and speaking of manufacturers, how much has the flooring industry been hit with the supply chain issues during all of COVID? Oh, uh, it's something I've seen in other areas uh, with other friends of mine, and I don't know if it's their lack of wanting to go the, to go find other supply vendors because they're you know I'm talking about they're going you know they're they're not yeah. going to the big box necessarily they're going to the little small mom and pop. Yeah. The hardware stores, a special order of this stuff, and it's like, I can't replace, I want to use Windows because I know this to be true. You know, it's six months to get a window in. How, how have you been affected that, and how do you tell other people to start shoring that up? Because that's, if you can't get materials, you can't work. Oh, I mean, it's been it's been so many things. I used to say my, my estimates were good for 30 days. My estimates are good for seven now because I don't know if a price increase is changing, <laughs> right? I've seen, the, with the, with the price of baseboards has doubled in the last year from like where I would get them at my supplier at the wholesale cost. Like the prices have doubled, if not more flooring has gone up. It's gone down. It's gone back up. Most vendors have only put price increases in. I do have one, like I said, it's gone down and I've had them like lower it and then they raised it back and then they lower it. Now they've lowered it again. So hopefully it stays there. Um, 
it's it's been a lot of things. It's there was a, a uh, container shortage, right? There just wasn't enough containers to go around. Yep. Then the containers were getting stuck on the ships for weeks on end, and so they would say like, it, "It's in the harbor." Well, great. When's it going to get? Oh, we don't know. We don't know when it's going to get unloaded. Okay, and then it gets unloaded. Well, now we've got a trucking issue. So can I even get it from? I'm in Arizona, and it would still like to get it from California to Arizona. Once it's unloaded, it could still take another week. It should take a couple of days. And so it's been, it's been a nightmare. I went from telling people like, uh, you know, the distributor said that it's gonna, you know, it's back ordered, but we're gonna get it August 10th. And then we should, you know, they'll get it in California August 10th. So it should be here August 13th. So I can start your project. You know, let's say the 13th is a Wednesday. So 14, 15, 16. I'd be like, I can start you August 18th, right? And I would I would book them in to do August 18th, knowing that all these things were going to happen. I won't book a job until I know that, I, like, I won't put a date on my calendar to install your project anymore until all of the material is locally in Arizona and I have received calls that I can go pick it up from all of my different distributors because I'm, I'm not going to play the game of I have to call 10 people now. So have we been affected? Yes. Are there different suppliers? Yes. I know things have been shifted, but I have also had issues where the, the raw materials needed for these manufacturers to be able to make their self level or their thin sets for tile, um, just different raw materials aren't even available. They can't get enough of them and they've shifted how they make some of them. And then that's run into issues of like, it's not performing the way that it was supposed to perform. And so now they're saying, don't use this batch number or um, people are just upset and they're not like, don't use this product anymore. The way they had to change it, it doesn't function the same. I know companies that, you know, their, their company colors blue. And so their buckets were blue. Well, they got white or green or pink buckets now to put their product in because that's what they can get. And they don't care because it's better to get you a product than no product. So (laughs) it's been everything. It's it's supply shortages. It's raw material shortages. It's gone up. It's gone down. It's gone back. It's come. It's been fixed. I know a lot of people were buy American, buy American. Well, there's not a lot of American luxury vinyl plank makers and manufacturers honestly like 98 percent of it comes from overseas probably so that adds in a whole nother problem right what are what are the raw material issues over there what are their shipping times looking like now like once again you got to get it on the you got to get it made you got to get it on the boat you got to get it over here you got to get it unloaded is it getting better yes you know we're months and months and months removed from the worst of it at this point but i got a buddy in oregon that does high-end bathroom remodels and then they also sell um they'll they'll add cabinets in there their cabinet makers six months out on any new orders and he was like nope we're dropping that line for now we're just we're not even going to sell it we're not dealing with it i can't tell somebody six months so forget it like we'll just stick with tile at this point and then when times get better we'll come back into it so it it's still out there. There's there's still issues, but it's getting better. And I that's I'll be honest. Like I'm kind of excited that the like I see the economy slowing down a little bit. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because less people will want to buy stuff. <laughs> it look 
it went from we literally shut everything down. These factories couldn't make anything. To everybody wants something. Everybody wanted something, right? We pumped so much money into the economy that there was overbuying. And maybe it's not overbuying. It's just we were buying a lot of stuff. And we couldn't keep up with demand. Like it's got we have to be able to like take that strain off of it to make up for the time that there wasn't the production going on. So I don't it's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go on a tangent for that real quick just because I, I find I found this funny and has nothing to do with flooring, but just that mm-hmm. whole economic thing in general. You couldn't get anything. Everything was like you said, you know, you remember the runs on certain, uh, you know, toilet paper. Mm-hmm. If you went to the grocery store, the, the things were out, mm-hmm. you know, Walmart and Target and all this stuff were ma- placing massive orders. And of course, because they couldn't sell any of that stuff, their, their, their stocks were taking a hit. Yeah. And, and now they, everything that they've been ordered has finally showed up. And it's like, no, 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 no. You've got too much stuff now. And your stock price is going to take a hit <laughs> And you see all the little discounted labels anytime you I have found that to be hysterical for some reason, just that goes into there. But all right, let me put it back. It was just my kind of side. Know your numbers, know what's what's going on. And no one's been through this before. Right. This is kind of something new. Right. It's a lot different when businesses are me and you bartering in the same village to be able to like, Hey man, you can make a house and and I can cook some food. So like you build my house and I'll cook food for you for the next year. Like whatever that exchange is going to look like, it's a lot different when you start getting globally connected and it's, it's just a hot mess. So what's the, what's the fix? I I don't know, but it's going to take time. (laughs) We'll figure it out. It'll come around, but it's, it's been an interesting it's been an interesting ride. And uh, for me, once again, it comes back to knowing your numbers and like everyone's always, oh, it's so good right now. The construction's amazing. Like, and honestly, construction is booming. It's never been better. These guys have been on a ride since about 2012. It's been like a decade of it doesn't matter what you do. You can be successful in this industry. None of them are banking on what's the flip side. What do you do in a down economy? A lot of guys have started right. businesses and never been through it. And I, I, you know, they're running out and they're, oh, we're making more money than ever. We got a boat and an F-350 now. And I just bought a new house and, <laughs> you know, I got a bunch of land and I got the, the new, you know, Razor quad, you know, off-road vehicle. Like, I got all these toys. What'd you set aside, man? What'd you set aside? Right. How much debt are you carrying right now? Because at some point those bills come <laughs> due and it's not always going to be pretty. And I'm not trying to like, I'm pessimistic by nature and I hate going there, but honestly, like you've got to keep some money. You, you got to keep something set aside. How many homeowners are just pulled, like pulled out all the money, right? Yeah. It's a low interest rate. But if everything tanks, like how much do you have tied up in this house now? What's it really worth? Right. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm a cash as king, and I like to have some stuff set aside to keep me safe, and I like to keep the the amount of debt really low. <laughs> no, and that's uh, I think it's a good thing to have, a good mindset to have, because you don't know when that's going to hit. You absolutely have no idea. Or something like in your industry, what happens if you you suffer an injury? 
and I wanted to, and this uh, mm. pivoting back to kind of my yeah. last point, you're, you, you, you're in an industry that takes that wear and tear. You talked about having the chiropractor on, on the podcast. So how important, cause I know you run mastermind groups. How important is it to try to get some of these guys to, for, you, you know, you're first seeing them become business owners, but to go, you got to stop doing at some point doing the day to day because getting down on your hands and knees won't last forever. And you may still need to work if you don't, you set yourself up right. It, man, it can last forever. That's the, that's the thing is if you actually do proper body movements and you, you take care of yourself and uh, these guys will go, but would right you want out, to like, do I want? Yeah, I do. But a lot of them don't. Would you want to at 70? <laughs> uh, look, if I, if, if I was truly passionate about this, I know guys that are like 70 and still doing it and they kill it. They oh, I just, do too. They, they are so <laughs> passionate about it. They just love it. They won't give it up ever. But, a lot of guys and gals, they'll it, it's the trap, right? It's I'm not charging enough, so I have to get this done fast. So they're they're putting in 10, 12, 14 hour days. Right. I, I try unless it's an emergency or you know that weird one off thing came up and it's going to require me extra time. I'm in at seven, I'm out at three. So you don't even get me eight hours; you get me seven and a half because I'm eating lunch on site. So <laughs> you get me eight hours. I eat lunch in about fifteen minutes, so it's really a break, not like an actual half hour lunch. But like I'm going to be in 7 to 3, maybe 3.30, and you get a full eight hours. But I try and keep reasonable hours. Like I don't want to kill myself. I don't want to put in 12-hour days every day wearing my body down because you can't get it back. So let me look at the project and bid it right accordingly so I can. I think that's one message. The other one is, yeah, a lot of people are owner-operators. If I broke my foot right now, I can't go install, and I don't have anyone on payroll currently as an employee that can go do it for me, I would be sunk and I'm not making any income. Can I subcontract it out? Yes. I could probably find some people to subcontract it to. I'm really nervous about that. And it's a, it's, it's the classic entrepreneur trap. Nobody's going to do it as good as me. How do I accept 80%? Because I give 110 and it's the best. So there's some hurdles there for a lot of people to jump over and a lot of them can't ever jump over it. And that's, that's some of the stuff that we get into with the mastermind groups that you brought up was that I'm getting five owners together in a, in a group and we focus on actually growing your business. And it's, you know, one person may be doing a couple million a year and another one may be a owner operator like me and do 300,000 a year. Well, I need the big guys systems and processes and their experience, but the big guy has forgotten what it's like to be me. And you know what? If I wake up Tuesday morning and decide that I want to become a tile setter instead of a floating floor installer, well, I can pivot my business like that. I just got to go buy the tools. It's no big deal. And they used to be there. They were there 10 years ago when they were an owner operator or it was, you know, two brothers or something. But getting a company of 20 people to pivot on a dime, it's not going to happen. But being able to right. remember that scrappy mindset is really important. And so you start getting these conversations happening in these groups of this is my goal and, and this is what I'm working f towards and this is my struggle. And so, you know, the guy that's been doing it 20 years, he's like, man, I've been there. Like, this is what it was like. And then somebody else comes along and they're another <laughs> $300,000 guy. And they're like, you know what? I'm going through that same thing and here's my struggle. And you start getting all these different ideas to help you kind of move forward and figure out what it is you really want. The biggest thing that it does though, is it's, it's an accountability group and you are going to feel really, really foolish 
coming and telling myself and the four other business owners in the group, this is my goal. This is what I'm working towards. And then we start meeting every other week. And you come back two weeks later and you're like, I didn't do anything. I just, I installed showers the whole time. <laughs> why are you here? And I've had to call people up. I'm like, why, why do you keep showing up, man? You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You said you wanted to work on your business, not just in it. That's what the group is for. It's to hold you accountable to actually work on your business instead of just in it. It's a, that what, that's a Michael Gerber thing with, um, it's e-myth. Yeah, e-myth. Yeah, yeah. And and so yep. that, that it, 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 it's the classic entrepreneur trap. Oh, I'm not making any money. I don't have time. I got to do this. I got to, I get it. So for a nominal fee, we're going to have this group that will help you move your business forward and it's going to hold you accountable to do it. And honestly, the only things I've ever really accomplished in life is when there's a pain point. So it costs some money to be involved in it. And generally now, because there's a pain point and it's costing you something, you actually commit to it because free things, man, how many, how many networking groups no. have you ever seen work where it's like, oh, you were going to go meet at Tuesday at Joe's. Okay. Well, you met the first Tuesday and then uh, the next month there's half the amount of people. And the month after that, there's two people. And the month after that, it's, it's gone. It doesn't work. But if everybody had to pay 50 bucks a month to show up to Joe's and, and have coffee and network, and then at the end of the year, that $50 went towards like a big party or, you know, you started giving it away to charity or somebody won half of it each month and the other half went to charity. I don't know. Get creative. But like, it's got to cost you something to show up and be a part of it. Yeah, there's got to be skin in the game. Yes. Absolutely. Because that's where the results come in. Well, and again, that goes back to what we talked about in the beginning, when you talked about charging for the for you to go out and, and price a job and creating some from some friction there, the serious people that are truly having a pain point, having a problem they need to overcome, or wanting to be around other like-minded individuals, if it's enough of a problem and enough of a priority, they will put some skin in the game to be there and be a participant. 100%. It's I'm putting my time and expertise on the line. That's what I'm bringing to the table. You've got to put some money in it. Like, that's what I need from you to, like, enter this this dance with me, right? That's what we're doing is it's a sales dance. So, yeah, that's exactly it. they got to put some skin in the game. I've already invested. Like, I already put all my skin in the game. I own a business. Like, there is no more skin for me to put in the game. I'm sorry. Like, I've said I'll provide for myself. So, yeah, I need my client, my potential clients to put something in as well. And don't, like, this isn't a contractor thing. This isn't, like... I, I see you could be an artist and coming from like my reality television background, people want you to show up and uh, well, we'll give you copy and credit, right? So you get a copy of whatever you help produce and credit. Maybe they have a budget to feed you while you're there, but they want me to come and like help film it, but bring $10,000 in gear, uh, copy and credit and a, a subway sandwich doesn't pay for $10,000 in camera gear got to give me something more and, and so <laughs> what is it well that's not a good fit for me right and so don't shortchange yourself no matter what your industry is i know designers that like spend hours drawing designs for free because they want to sell the project but how how many projects do they not get a year and they're sitting there 
not a couple hundred bucks. Like, just get it, right? A cake designer, right? They want to, oh, I need you to design me a cake. Well, you're going to draw something up, right? Or you're going to mock it up on the computer. Well, it's it's 25 bucks, right? You got it. That client's serious. Get some money from them. I think there's something in the beginning when you're starting to try to demonstrate your value, particularly if you're breaking in or if you want to provide the value first. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't go on forever. Yeah. And I think too many people get stuck into the, you know, maybe they don't. I'll tell you, I was horrible early on and I'm finally breaking through that actually just recently and getting re- getting testimonials, getting the referral thing. It was just like, hey, I did stuff. I never asked for it. And now trying to go back and get that from, you know, even stuff years ago is almost an impossible task. But for somebody that's just starting out and they want to demonstrate that, hey, I know what I'm talking about. You've never heard of me before. Let me go do something up front for somebody a couple times. You start getting a couple of those yes. in there that say, hey, yeah, man, freaking Kyle is awesome at this. He gave me this. And then you go, yeah, I did that for free because I needed some stuff. I wanted to prove that I knew what I was doing. But for you, you know, it's it's 200 bucks. Yes. You know, it, I charge now. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of guys that um, a, a thing called scribing has been really big in the tile industry. Right. And so um, like hexagon tiles have been big. And then there's the regular like 12 inch by 24 inch <clears throat> tiles. So they're just a straight edge. But somebody might want like the hexagon tiles down the, the middle of through their like niche in their shower. So they'll do what's called scribing, and they'll cut the 12 by 24s so that the hexagon tile fits into it, right? They won't cut the hexagon tile straight to so you have two straights. The hexagon tile will actually go outside of the, like, straight line that would have been for the 12 by 24, and it has the notch in it to fit in there, and so they'll scribe cut it. Or guys are single-setting um, pebbles, and they're, they're scribing to the pebbles with tile. And so it's just super detailed work and take hours, but they'll give the first one way for free, right? They'll, they'll convince a homeowner, Hey, let me do this. And it's exactly that. Let me do this. Now you have a marketing piece. You've shown proof of concept. Yep. So now you can sell it. And I've done that. Um, a lot of luxury vinyl plank stairs, um, people just straight install them, right? They just click the planks together. The, the landing's done, whatever. I've found ways to play with it. I'll, I'll install it at a 45. I did that. I started selling those. I found a way. I started building borders. And then within the border, I would install it at a 45. And this is all with, like, flooring that's supposed to click together. So you're not supposed to be able to, like, cut it and put it together. It's, it's not made to do that. I'm just making it do that. And then you glue it all down, and it, it's fine. So I, I had found ways to play with it and upgrade what you can do on a landing on your stairs. And I gave the first couple away for free. Yeah, I knew it was going to take me a couple extra hours. That's fine. Now I can, once again, here's the pretty picture. This would be a great spot for it. Do you want this up? Like, do you want this upsell? This is what I can do. Here's how much it costs. And it, it's worked every time. So, yeah, you got to give some stuff away for free, but you can't do it forever. And you, you have to know what to give away for free and what needs to be charged for. Don't you can't you can't give away the absolutely no absolutely not and that's what I don't want to see I want to pivot okay to as we uh, in this last little bit from the kind of the customer's perspective you know obviously you've been doing this long enough and work with enough people you've got you've got those stories you've got those experiences mm-hmm. for somebody that's going out there and going hey it's it's time man I I need to re- I need to replace the flooring 
what can they do to have a better experience up front for setting their one, getting their own expectations aligned, mm-hmm. but make it easier for somebody like you to do your job and give the best possible the best possible quote, the best possible materials, everything that goes into something that you, that's going to be quality that they're going to like for a long time. Okay. First and foremost, if you're in a state that has licensing for contracting, hire a licensed contractor. There is the, the state makes them have things in place. They will have to have insurance. They'll have to have a bond. If something goes wrong, there are you you have recourse actions. It's going to be easier to sue them and recoup money as opposed to some states where anybody with a, you know, Chuck and a truck can come and install your floor. Well, you get the taillight warranty from Chuck and a truck because as soon as his taillights are gone, his warranty is void <laughs> and you may never get any money back. Um, know what deposits look like. So, you know, you always hear of people getting taken advantage of and, oh, you ran off with my money. Once again, this is why you want to find a quality contractor that's been around for a while. If there's not licensing in your state, then you you can't hire just any Tom, Dick, or Jerry. Like, find a business that's, that's reputable and trustworthy, has been around for a while, because it can be scary to hand somebody a $10,000 check for materials. I get it. But I'll also I'll tell you from my side of it, I'm not paying for your $10,000 in materials. I'm not. And I have to pay at time of pickup. Can I put it on a credit card? Yes. Do I? Yes. I want the points. But I'm not coming out of pocket and risking your check bouncing. Like I'm So there, there's some good faith, right? I need some money to get you on the schedule and get your materials ordered. But... I'm, you know, I'm also now I'm putting you on the schedule and counting on the rest of that. So work with a reputable company so you don't have to worry about deposit checks. Um, if you can, it, find a, a certified installer for what you're looking for. There are, it, it, it's kind of the Wild West in the flooring industry, but there are industry organizations that provide certifications. There's certified flooring installers. There is the Ceramic Tile Education Foundation, which provides the certified tile installer. There is the National Wood Flooring Association for hardwood guys. They offer um, certifications in installation, sanding, and finishing. They, they do sales stuff for salespeople. There, there are certifications out there. If you can find somebody that has taken the time to invest in themselves they are running a different business altogether, right? They are willing to lose work for a week, spend money on plane and travel and all kinds of stuff. That's the kind of person that I want to work with is somebody that's taken time to invest in themselves in this industry. Because a lot of times you hear construction workers say, I've been doing it 20 years. I've never had a problem. I'll tell you what. I've only been in this industry seven years. I've seen it change a whole heck of a lot. And I don't do it the way I did it seven years ago. So if the guy's telling you he's been doing it 20 years and don't worry about it, that's not the guy. That's not the guy for me. <laughs> I've been doing it 20 years and I, I use, you know, materials have changed and like I, I, I'm up to date on what's going on. So you can you can vet some people that way. Right. Um, it, tile has a huge rate of failure and showers failing and stuff ask your contractor if you're having tile work done do you know what the 
TCNA handbook is. It's, it's the Tile Council of North America handbook. It's like, I don't have it up here. It's like this thick. And that's who comes up with the rules and regulations for how tile should be installed in like every circumstance on a wall, on a floor, in a steam shower, how, you know, what kind of trowel needs to be used for what size tile, how thick does do moisture barriers need to be. It's got, it's got everything in it, right? So a guy that's familiar with that, probably the guy I trust to go in as opposed to the guy that just goes and buys whatever materials are readily available at the box store and throws something together. Um, ask questions, right? Like, can, can they actually tell me what the steps for the project are? Do they spend time with me in my home, building a relationship, learning what my problems are? Are we walk, walking through the project and they understand what step A, step B, step C is? Are they, are they bringing me through that process? Or do they walk in, they measure it, they scribble something on a napkin, and they hand it to me, and, you know, I get to call them back. I don't, I don't like the guys that scribble stuff on napkins and just in and out and measure. I'm the guy I want to come in. I'll spend an hour at a job that's 400 square feet. I can measure it in 15 minutes or less. It's 45 minutes of me trying to solve your problem and figure out what exactly is going to make this the best experience for you. And, you know, probably of most importance, do you feel comfortable with them in your house? Because if you don't feel comfortable with them in your house, don't have them come do the work. Like you, this person may be in your house one day, a week. I've been on projects three weeks before, <laughs> right? I, like I'm in there. I'm interacting with your dog. I'm interacting with your kids in the morning when they're coming down for breakfast before school and I, I'm getting to know them and having fun. Like you have to trust this person in your house. Do you feel safe leaving? I, I've been given keys. Here's the keys. We'll be back on, you know, we're on vacation. We'll be back in two weeks. When you wrap up, we'll go over the job and, and take care of it. Right. So you, you have to be comfortable with, with who they are. And I think lastly, a lot of people think like a guy like me will show up and I make it a point to sell my company because it is unique, right? I'm the guy. You got me on the phone. You got me to come out and do the bid. I'm going to be the guy that delivers materials and I'm going to be the guy that comes and install it. So I'm the owner operator. Like I'm going to do everything. But there are, I, I would love to grow my business. And so ask them, are you going to come out or are you going to be sending a crew? And, and, be prepared, right? They may tell you they're going to send somebody. Well, now, do you subcontract your work or are they your employees? Okay, so that might play a difference to you. I like in-house teams personally. Not all subcontractors are bad. Not all businesses that are run with subcontractors are bad. But maybe that makes you feel uncomfortable. Can you vet the subcontracting crew? Like, what's their standard? So j those are some basic questions. From there, you can, uh, you know, really what you need to feel comfortable. So they need to understand what it is that you want and you need to understand what it is that they provide. Uh, when you get your estimates, they're not apples to apples. I, this is the last one. They're not apples to apples. They may both say that your shower, one may say your shower will cost eight grand and the other one may say your shower will cost 15 grand. But are they just prices? 
or does one list out the materials that'll be used, how it's going to be installed, why it's going to be installed that way? Like what? It's not just price. You have to know what kind of systems they're using and what kind of products and, and the amount of work that they're seeing ahead of time. Because a lot of times people come in, they'll give you a low bid, they get you into it, and they're like, oh, this was unforeseen, this was unforeseen, this was unforeseen. We need a change order, right. we need a change order, we need a change order. That seven grand shower now has costed you 20. The other guy told you it was going to be 15 up front, and he was going to do all the stuff that all those change orders covered. So make sure you're comparing apples and apples and it's not always possible because they might use different products or systems but you got to try and get it as close to apples and apples as possible and so and some companies will say i don't break down my bids well okay i don't need to know the pricing per thing what i need to know is what you're using and how you're doing it because this one over here told me what products they're using and how they're doing it and you don't have anything, so I don't know what what do you include, what don't you include. No, and that is something that I've seen talking about more full remodels where some friends of mine were getting a basement done. And they they had a buddy of mine, excellent at this, definitely on the higher end scale. But if you paid him, you were hands off. Trust me, you didn't have to do anything. He's the only person I let touch my stuff. They went with the cheaper price. Not only... Did the project take about six times as long as what was initially told to them? The guy had to end up project managing his own thing. He had to go trace down vendors. He was never told he was going to have to chase down vendors. And not only that, they didn't even finish the entire job. He ended up having to paint it himself because they took so long. He got so fed up with them. And it ended up costing him more, way more time and way more money than if he went with the known party in, in that situation. Yeah. It's I get it. There's a budget for everything, right? I a hundred percent understand. But at the end of the day, is the budget realistic? What's what's you saving for another six months look right. like, right? If it's gonna save you a ton of headaches and problems down the road. I, I think a lot of times people try and do projects, you know, they are on a budget, right? I got a thousand dollars to redo my bathroom you ain't getting a bathroom done for a thousand dollars unless you just switch. <laughs> yeah, right. like, there's no way you're getting a shower. Here's a shower curtain and a mirror. Correct. <laughs> so do some research, try and find out realistic budgets. Don't get your budgets from the, the cable stations with, with the home improvement shows. <laughs> Those are not real budgets. I, I promise you. Those, I, Don't do that. All right. I've got a story. I got a story. You triggered a story when you were talking about comfortable in your house. Okay. That's going to lead into a question regarding all the, the shows when I, by the time I get done. So we had, we're in our second new home, brand new, new construction home. But in our first one, we had all kinds of trouble with it. If you name it, if there was a vendor involved with it, it broke or didn't work, including flooring. We, no kidding, had vinyl flooring in the kitchen that split within three weeks at the seams. Oh, so they kept sending the crew out to try to stretch it, repair it, whatever. They ended up putting uh, three floors on top of it, just putting the same vinyl, even in the same location. They didn't even move the seams around. And no kidding, within like a few days, the seams would just start breaking apart. Well, what's funny about the uh, the uncomfortable thing, I'm sitting there, and it was the guy they were sending out 
that was, again, it was probably a subcontractor of a subcontractor of a subcontractor is, you know, you're, you're very much in that situation. This guy shows up to the house. I'll never forget this. And I think we had the floor looked at or repaired. I used to have a journal because of how bad the house was, just top to bottom. Probably 15 times that they were out looking at the floor because I even had the manufacturer drive down from Philadelphia to look at their floor. Um, this guy showed up, no kidding, with a tinfoil hat. Uh, he had a tinfoil hat with a, a straw brim that went around it, but the center part that fits on your head like the cap, the hat I'm wearing right now was completely tinfoil. The funny thing was we also had trouble with shutters. Who has trouble with shutters? But we had trouble with shutters. He was also the shutter repair guy because I'll never forget the guy. He spoke no English, and he would show up. Um, with just a work order in his tinfoil hat every single time. And I'm like, what is this going, what is going on here? And why is this guy showing up for every repair in the house? But during all that, we finally go through all the, the, the flooring repair. They ended up just giving us money back. We ended up getting, I think a 3000 or $3,500 check. They were tired of dealing with it and they were going to put in some stupid hardwood that was not going to, it was in the kitchen, was not going to work in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So a buddy of mine, the one I've referenced before comes out, and I said, hey, man, can you put some tile in here? We need to get this. This floor looks awful. Every seam was just ripping apart. You were catching it with your foot. Dogs were catching it, all that kind of stuff. So he starts ripping. You know, we gets the tile, start doing it. And I did not realize when you start ripping the floor up, however they installed it, ripping the floor up only took a few minutes. It took like a day and a half to get all of the adhesive, all of whatever staples or whatever they were using in the floor, scraped up to make the floor smooth. So how much has those cable shows, and I'm going to reference one, HGTV. I've got a different story with that, but for a different day. We were almost, we were almost on House Hunters, okay. um, me and my wife. But how much do they gloss over and set the wrong expectation when they like, oh, we're going to do demo, and they do demo, and it's snap of the finger. When they're out there pulling up staples out of carpets that take two days to do that, and they make it look like it's going to take a minute, that they set that wrong expectation for people that binge watch that. Yeah, it's – <laughs> it, it, it's it's going to be different. I, I can tell you that it's going to depend a lot on the show and, and what processes they're showing. I also know from being in television that they will specifically pick tasks that are accomplishable in that amount of time because they only have so many days to shoot. Right. So, there's there's budgets right. and there's we got to get it done in a set amount of time and so we can only do x y and z um some shows are more realistic than others but most of it did none of it's accurate like they're they're having crews come in at night working through the night to get things done you don't see half of it they're using materials that make things set up faster but i also know that th- i have a friend who worked on a show and they packed everything up they were getting ready to leave and the tv fell off the wall like as they were like pulling down the block <laughs> right and they the family's like calling like hey it just fell off we're done sorry we're out like later because the work it, it's it's quick right it's it's done corners are cut for sure and it's because we've got to get it to look pretty not great and that's <laughs> I, I'm scared to go buy a house these days because I look at what the builders are putting out and I don't trust the builders, but so many homes have been touched by home flippers and they just put lipstick on a pig. They literally they'll run to Home Depot or Lowe's, 
they they buy you know everything on the outside looks shiny and new and nice but if they open up a wall the electrical may not be done right the plumbing may not be done right but only everybody only sees the outside appearance and they're like ooh it's great i need this well that house might be 40 or 50 years old did anyone did anyone touch the electrical and plumbing What's that really look like? You know, what's the I don't care about the shiny fixtures. I can do that myself. Like I can make the house look nice. I can put paint on it and I can put shiny fixtures everywhere and new face plates on the electrical outlets. And ooh, look, it's great. But what what about the bones? Like what what happened there? And so be careful about what you're buying. Learn at least I I mentioned way earlier, right? Like, I don't want the client to tell me how to do my project because they watched a YouTube video. But I'll tell you what, (laughs) you need to go educate yourself this much. Just that, like, just know a little bit so that you kind of know how the process goes and some of the terms so you can at least say, you know what? I don't understand what you're saying right now. Can you explain it to me a little bit more? Can you break it down? You've got to be able to get to the point where you can at least have a basic conversation. You don't have to be able to do the work, but be able to have a basic conversation with a contractor so that you understand what's going on. And I think that will help you get the end result. Don't tell them how to do their job. Don't tell them you saw a YouTube video and they used this product. (laughs) Unless you realize that it's a completely wrong product. Like Mastic shouldn't be used to install showers it's just not like you gotta use thin set but you know if if they if you've taught yourself enough to see that they're competent then what's just let them do their job right but know enough to protect yourself so that you're not freaking out about it because it is a lot of money a lot of times it's thousands of dollars and that's that's a lot riding right you're putting your trust in somebody else I get it but not all not all contractors are are bad. They're they're not all scams. They're not all out to get a dollar from you. They're not going to run off with your check. They're not cutting corners and and out like there's really good contractors out there. I know a lot of them. And they I think somebody that's not willing to teach you how to do it is a concern. That maybe maybe that's the best way to do it. If someone's not willing to tell you how to do it and explain this, the process, I, I feel they're hiding something. I have nothing to hide. I'll, I'll tell you exactly how to do it. I'll teach you how to do it. But you're most likely not going to want to do it on your own. That's why you called me up. Right. And if you, exactly. If you do want to <laughs> do it, you're not my client. But I'll give you some advice <laughs> along the way because you probably have friends that want to hire me. But that's that's an abundant mind. That's that abundance mindset. And I don't a, a lot of business owners have that like scarcity mindset. And they think that this this deal is the last one they're ever yeah. going to get. And they're, they're scared to like give it away. And so um, maybe that's it. Just look for somebody that's willing to like educate you. Well, I think I think we've definitely set up the. You are the expert in flooring for sure. And I definitely applaud the work that you're doing to try to get other business owners in the same industry because these 
basic principles apply to everything. This is the reason why I kind of, one of the reasons I started the, the Business Samurai podcast, because I have been in a bunch of different industries, but those patterns are still the same. The people, you, you can sit there and go, yeah, this company, they're at $10 million, but it doesn't mean they're necessarily really good operators. Mm -hmm. It depends on what they're doing. You know, They're recreating the wheel every time. They don't have systems in place that they can recheck. They have churn. You don't see behind the scenes that there's churn with clients. You know that type of stuff where the core fundamentals are are absolutely there, and the principles that you've got on the website with your with your business budgeting they work in everything. Correct. They absolutely function in everything to start getting you on a core model of going from what I said earlier. Oh, I made twenty five bucks an hour at my last job, so I'm going to charge twenty five bucks on my own. That's a quick ticket to being in the poorhouse. Correct. Uh, you quick be ticket at least thirty. There. At least thirty. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Two and a half times. Every that was sarcasm. Yeah. Anyway, I don't sarcasm, like sarcasm, folks. Yes. Yeah. I was making sure that it, that was very clear. That was sarcasm, and that, no. But uh, no. Uh, so once again, uh, where's what's the best place where people can reach out? Who can join the mastermind? Talk about your Facebook group so everybody knows where to where to go. Okay. Uh, no, I appreciate it. Thank you, John, for having me on. I, I love the conversation. And so, where can you find me? Uh, once again, my name is Kyle Hedin. Uh, you can find me at FloorAcademyPod.com. That's the website for the podcast. If you can, if you listen to podcasts, which you probably do because you're listening here, any any streaming service, right? Just type in Floor Academy. You're going to find us. Otherwise, there's links on the website. If you search Floor Academy on Facebook, that's where the group is. We're having business discussions in there constantly. If you're interested in a mastermind, you can reach out to me through Facebook or the Facebook group. Send me an email through the Floor Academy website. I'm happy to get you some information on that. It's um, I, I'm I'm always looking to form new ones. I whether you're in flooring or not, I would like to expand outside of that. I think the individuals that are in it with flooring experience i try and mix it up and get tile guys with wood guys with carpet guys with big retailers and like i said the little guy but to you know if somebody came along and, and they say that you know they run an it business great what's your perspective what's your struggles in business like i i think having that diversity is what makes the group function the best because you get to see other points of view. It's not that same locked in cycle. So happy to answer any questions about that. Uh, you can catch some stuff on Instagram here and there at floor Academy. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of everywhere. I'm not on TikTok, but that, that might be. Yeah. Crazy. Don't get on TikTok and uh, YouTube, YouTube. All the stuff is available on YouTube. Look up floor mm -hmm. Academy over there. I, I would love to hit my thousand subscribers and four thousand hours. So um, yeah, like go click subscribe on YouTube under Floor. Search for Floor Academy over there. Click subscribe. All the videos are out over there. I've got a video that actually details me going through that worksheet that we spoke of earlier. And uh, yeah, I, you know, if you got a question about business, I, I'd be happy to answer it. If you got questions about flooring. I'm happy to answer it and get you pointed in the right direction so that, you know, I can connect you with someone locally. I know guys across the entire country. Uh, I know some guys overseas, too. So if you're listening from somewhere else, I'll try and hook you up. Awesome. You are everywhere. Don't do TikTok. That's a different discussion, but don't do TikTok. <laughs> Kyle, I appreciate it. Yeah. No, thank you. My pleasure.